When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast, Paige Demacos, Jake Arians, and Jamie Eisner, and we are getting into our tight end, defense, and kickers today, but before we do that, we've got a bit of news to get into. Uh, we got to debunk a theory that we tossed out in our uh, running back show earlier on, and we have to get into uh, a trade and a couple of other things. So, first and foremost, the Duke-Johnson trade uh, going to help bolster that Houston Texans uh, running back room. We saw this coming. Uh, we uh, tossed out a theory that Melvin Gordon might be the, the trade that happened. And obviously, I do, do not think that's going to be happening now. Uh, Duke Johnson heading there. My first question to you guys is, what does that do for Lamar Miller's value? I don't think it changes Lamar Miller's value that much. I wasn't boosting him up too much or knocking him down too much, regardless of what was happening this offseason. Uh, you know, Lamar Miller's not going to catch a ton of passes anyway. It's not something that's ever been a part of his game or a way that Bill O'Brien has used him there in Houston. So that role that Duke Johnson's coming into is kind of going to be a new role, but it really helps Duke Johnson. I, I think he is now a running back you're considering around the top 40 running back mark. He's in flex consideration in half PPR leagues. Uh, I know Jake even probably has him even higher than that, judging on what we talked about earlier. Yeah, I really like him. I think it adds Duke Johnson's value way up there. I mean, he's definitely in flex, I think, in a full-point PPR, maybe even RB2 in some weeks. They're going to throw it a ton. Uh, look, the Browns got really good value back, and they got a fourth-round pick. I think it was a heck of a trade for them, and Houston had to do something. I, I like what they did. I think they know they're going to have to throw it. Uh, I don't think it really changes Lamar Miller's value very much, though. All right. How about the Melvin Gordon theory that we that we uh, tossed out there? So if you haven't listened to the earlier podcast, what we had tossed out was because the Houston Texans did, did have the room to facilitate a long-term deal with Melvin Gordon, we had tossed out that maybe that would be a landing spot for him. Obviously not going to happen now. Uh, Jake, I'll go to you first here. Where do you think Melvin Gordon is going to land if it's not in L.A.? Well, I mean, I've been the one saying that I don't think he's going to be playing for the Chargers. Uh, this took a big hit for his negotiations from his management team. I mean, you still got Indy. You still got a couple places maybe, but I think they're probably going back to the drawing board saying, hey, let's, let's see if they come up a little bit and let's take what we can get so we get something. Um, I mean, this I think it really hurt Melvin Gordon. I don't know how much they really want to dig in their heels here, but he's definitely not going to Houston. Well, we also have in this situation, because he's on his fifth-year option, that there's some financial motivation that could be in play here. I mean, missing uh, yesterday's game is going to cost him $330,000. He's going to get fined a regular season amount of money for missing uh, the first preseason game. So it's one of those things where I wonder how much of that becomes a motivating factor. Now, the team doesn't have to put through that, especially if they come to an agreement. They'll make sure that those um, – those get magically waived, but it is something to consider because unless he's truly willing to pull a Le'Veon Bell and sit out the whole year, he's going to start to lose regular season-sized paychecks immediately here in August. All right, the other uh, elephant in the room is the Ezekiel Elliott uh, continued holdout, and I know we all are, are hesitant on his, on this Zeke news because the longer this goes, the more concerning it becomes. And I have gotten, and I know you guys have too, a lot of tweets, a lot of people that are worried about, hey, my draft's coming up, or they're in dynasty leagues, or they're in keeper leagues, and they're looking at certain situations going, okay, I have a guy, I have Zeke in this round, do I keep him? What are you guys leaning towards now? Um, because we're getting into, into August, we're getting into preseason time, and the longer this goes, the more concerning I think it becomes. I mean, I, I don't. If I'm in a dynasty format or I'm in a keeper league, it, it doesn't matter to me. Zeke's going to play NFL games this year. He's going to be a stud. He's going to be a stud next year. He's going to be a stud the year after that, assuming he avoids major injury. So I, I don't really document all in, in that kind of a format. You know, if you're if you're trying to draft right now and you have a top three pick, 
I can understand why you would be hesitant to use it on Ezekiel Elliott, even though we've talked on the show about he's probably our number one overall player, all things considered. But I understand if you're saying, look, I can't be caught like Le'Veon Bell owners were caught last year. I'm going to have to go with Saquon or McCaffrey or Kamara in that spot. But to me, right now I'm seeing a lot of arguments of Zeke versus David Johnson. I'm still taking Zeke there. I think if Zeke, even if he misses one game, maybe even if he misses two games, I think he can put up close to what David Johnson could do for a season. So I'm willing to take that risk. If I would say more like one game would equal what David Johnson would do. But I'm willing to take that risk if I'm uh, picking in the fifth spot or fourth or fifth spot in the draft. Yeah, I mean, I'm not panicking yet. Zeke doesn't need to play in the preseason. But the longer this goes, and it's really not even the longer it goes. I mean, you're starting to hear the rebuttals from Dallas about how they love their running back room. And they got some other guys that are good players. And Gil Brandt was tweeting about that today, about his visit to Oxnard, and, which is all BS. They know they need Zeke back. It's posturing from both sides. If it goes another couple weeks, I'll start getting nervous. But right now, I, I think the – the level of my nervousness is still pretty low. I mean, if I had a top three pick and especially if I'm picking three and somebody doesn't want to take in one or two, I'd be happy doing that. I think right as of right now. All right. So what's the cutoff date? When are you, let's say, let's say we get to August 25th and there's been no resolution. What is your panic level there then Jake? Uh, Pretty high. If I'm picking three, I'm not taking them. If if nothing's done that when you're talking about going into the last week of the, the preseason, I, yeah, I'd, I'd start panicking at that point. I mean, I'm panicking at that point too, but my date where I need Zeke in camp is September 8th when they take the field for week one. Uh, I don't, I don't need to see Zeke play one second of preseason football or one second of training camp for me to take him in the top five. But I understand that there's a risk. Like if you, if you're telling me Zeke's coming in, I'm guaranteeing you he's going to play week one, but he's not showing up till the week of, I'm fine with that. I'm still taking him in the top three. But yes, I know that's not the most likely scenario. We're not going to find that out. I just can't see a scenario where he falls out of the first round for me unless they're really saying, yeah, he's not showing up till week 10 or later. I just can't see it right now. Yeah, it'll be something that we continue to monitor. Um, I know that because of what happened last year with Le'Veon Bell, everybody is terrified to take Ezekiel Elliott in the first three, and I understand why. Uh, The other piece of news we're going to get into here before we head into our tight end rankings is Niners running back Jarek McKinnon is set to receive PRP injections and miss two weeks after experiencing knee soreness. Jamie, what is his value now? I I know we weren't super high on him before this, but what's his value? now not much uh i think right now he's borderline undraftable look kyle shanahan has shown that he can have success in his offense with guys that are healthy right now he's the guy that's not healthy tevin coleman's going to be the number one there we thought mckinnon might have a role in as a number two guy but that's going to be matt Breida, and they've got mostard and they've got a few other pieces there mckinnon is not healthy they can't put him back on pup right now because they took him off of it I, I'm avoiding an all fantasy drafts. I just don't see what the upside is. Let somebody else waste the roster spot on Jarek McKinnon. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, if they put him on injured, injured reserve to return, he's missing a minimum of eight weeks, which does you no good if he comes in because somebody else for them has been playing that whole time. He missed last year. This is another one of these running backs with an ACL, guys. You come back the next year and you're not the same player. You have hamstring issues. You have knee soreness. You're just It's just hard to get over that stuff. I agree with Jamie. I think he's undraftable at this point. I think you probably just need to just shut him down and maybe in week eight if he's on your waiver wire and they've got an injury or two. But until then, I think their only option is to put him on injured reserve to return. All right, guys, it's time to get into our tight end rankings. We're going to go one through 15 on tight ends today. Um, the We're continuing to look at the fantasy pros rankings. Um, this is the ADP where these guys are getting drafted as of right now. So that's what we have been going off of. You can check that out at fantasypros.com. The number one overall tight end I think will be a consensus here. I don't think there's much to, to think about is Travis Kelsey. Jamie, I'll go to you first. Yeah, I mean, Travis Kelsey is an absolute stud. He is the best tight end at the position. There is no question about who should be the top-ranked tight end. Uh, you know, my projections have him, you know, flirting with 95, 100 catches, 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns again. I think he's going to be somebody that could finish, you know, as much as 30 to 35 points more than whoever ends up as tight end two. The issue that you're going to have with Travis Kelsey is that I, I cannot stomach taking him in the early second round, which is kind of where he's going right now. If I have the first overall pick and I'm 
picking on the turn, that second, third round turn, I would consider it there, uh, considering that I would have the positional advantage at RB1 and tight end one. But uh, I, I just, he's going way too high for me. Uh, I'm, I don't know if I want to wait on the tight end position so much. I just don't know if I want to pay the premium that these top guys are being drafted at right now. Yeah, look, guys, he's the number two option and sometimes the number one option on that offense. There's nothing that says he's going to take a step back. Uh, that offense isn't going to take a step back. Tyreek Hill didn't get suspended. Concussion history, a little bit of an injury history, but not really. He just puts up numbers. I don't see any reason why that's going to not continue. Biggest thing Jamie talked about is how where do you have to take him? I mean, we're talking about value in all these shows. That's a really high price to pay for a tight end. Yeah, 19th overall. That's his ADP right now. That's pretty early on, especially – considering where this next guy is, and I don't think it's much of a drop-off here. George Kittle coming in at the number two overall tight end on Fantasy Pros. He, his drop is 31, so that's significant over 10 spots later um, to get the number two overall guy. Jake, I'll go to you first. Your thoughts on George, Kitt- on George Kittle? I got Kittle as my third tight end. I've got Ertz at second. Um, I love the player. He's phenomenal for me last year. I got, I got him somehow halfway through the season. He was awesome. They're a little bit healthier right now, although Godwin or Goodwin just got hurt yesterday. So we'll see. But I still think a lot of the things go through him. He didn't play with Garoppolo last year, so we'll see what kind of chemistry they have. It was his breakout year. Love the player. I don't think they want to go to him as much as they did last year because they really had no other options. Uh, I think he still puts up really good numbers. I've got him as my number three tight end. He, he's my number three tight end as well, and for a lot of the same reasons. He's, I think he's a better talent than a guy like Evan Ingram, but a big reason why Evan Ingram put up the numbers he did in his rookie year was because there was literally no one else for Eli Manning to throw to, and I think you got a little bit of that last year with George Kittle. I also think that you have teams that are going to game plan to stop George Kittle. He is the playmaker on that offense now, and I think teams are going to not quite let him – sneak up on them or get as open as he was before. But still, he's a phenomenal talent. He's my tight end three. He is the last of these premier tight ends. Again, still going a little high for me, uh, but he's somebody that if you're in an auction draft format, I would target one of these top three tight ends because it doesn't preclude you from getting a top running back or a top receiver. But I'm just finding I'm liking guys that are falling to me where the George Kittle, Zach Ertz of the world are falling right now. Yeah, Zach Ertz, uh, the number three overall guy for Fantasy Pros. My I stay in lockstep one, two, three here. Literally one position later in the ADP, going 32. So you're talking about Kittle, Ertz, 31, 32, right back to back. That's exactly how I feel about them. I feel like both tight ends are really good, and I would feel really comfortable with either one of those guys. Uh, Jamie, your thoughts on Zach Ertz? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Ertz's number is going to come back down to earth a little bit. He just the target share he he ate up last year was just I think in, in just not repeatable. Uh, but he's still going to be a great player. He's still going to be ninety plus catches, around a thousand yards, six seven scores. He's still going to provide you a ton of value there. And again, auction format for me, I just I, I can't take them where they're going in re, in standard redrafts right now. But in auction formats, I would absolutely take him. Yeah, look, love the player. They have more weapons. Um, Wentz is back. They have chemistry, yes, but it's kind of the same thing with Kittle last year. They didn't have a lot else at times, and Ertz was the guy. I think he has to come back to Earth a little bit. Great player. Too high for me in regular formats, as Jamie said. Um, it just it just scares the crap out of me taking tight ends in the you know second or middle of the third round. So love the player, but I think he's still going to put up numbers, and this is kind of where that drop-off begins with these three guys and then kind of everybody else. Uh, the next overall tight end here, tight end four, O.J. Howard. I also have O.J. Howard as my tight end four. Big drop off. You're talking about the first two guys or first three guys, second and third round guys. Then we have a big drop. These are fifth and sixth round guys all coming up. So 57th overall, meaning if you're in a 12-team league, you'd come somewhere in the fifth round. Jamie, O.J. Howard, where do you have him? Uh, he's my tight end six. Uh, I like him a lot. He's in this next tier of three guys, which are, you know, if you missed out on the top tier, I think you'd be happy with this kind of middle class. I keep saying somebody has to be the odd man out. Not say odd man out, but somebody has to underperform expectations in Tampa. I mean, we unless we expect this to be the greatest offense we've ever seen, uh, this this greatest show on turf. 
somebody has to underperform. We, we can't have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Rashad Perryman and OJ Howard and Ronald Jones and all these be fantasy studs. It's just, it's just not possible. It can't happen. So to me, I think the most likely person to lose out a little bit is OJ Howard. And, and I put that relatively. I still think he's going to have a strong season. I think he's going to be more in that, you know, around 800 yards. I think he can catch six, seven, eight touchdowns, but I'm not sure on a week to week basis, he's going to provide top 10 excuse me, top tight end performances. So he's somebody I like there as the sixth tight end off the board, but I think he's being overdrafted right now. I've got him at number four. I think he's probably being a little overdrafted as well, uh, but I, I love what I've seen so far in this offense and him practicing in the red zone. A lot of touchdowns every time they do red zone stuff. He's a matchup nightmare. You're talking about a lot of this is on potential of what O.J. Howard could be. He struggled with injuries. Um, if he lives up to his potential, he could easily be the number four guy. There's a lot to prove, and Jamie has a point of who's not going to eat. Um, I think he's going to be touchdown dependent, but I really like what he's doing in the red zone so far in this offense. All right, the number five overall guy here. This is I, my sixth overall guy. Um, I have the next two guys we're going to talk about flipped is Evan Ingram of the New York Giants. My, I just like I like Hunter Henry, who's the number six overall guy in fantasy pros, just a slightly a bit better. Uh, but Jake, I'll go to you first. How about how are your feelings on Evan Ingram? You know, I've had him the last couple of years, and it's kind of back to where it was without OBJ in there. He's more of a receiver than tight end, but they keep him on the field all the time. He's probably their best receiver and their best receiving option. I've got him at five as well, but injury history, right? Like every year there's something. He's played through him a little bit. He had drops a couple of years ago. Um, we'll see. I mean, this, is, this, this group gets a little funny. I agree. I have Henry at six as well. We'll talk about it in a second, but uh, – yeah, you're splitting hairs with all these guys. Yeah, really I think number it. five for me as well. I, I liken him to what Jarvis Landry was in Miami, a guy that's terribly inefficient but gets so many targets that just the overall value always seems to be there. We, they're going to be without Golden Tate in New York most likely for the first four weeks. Sterling Shepard looks like he's going to be healthy now, but he's a little bit banged up and has an, inj- an extended injury history. Evan Ingram does his best when he just soaks up a ton of targets and gets a ton of catches, and I think he has that possibility again this year as well. Although I agree with Paige, I don't like him quite as much as a tight end in L.A. that we're about to talk about. Yeah, number six overall, Hunter Henry. Um, I like that offense a lot more in general, which is why I have Hunter Henry uh, above Evan Ingram. Uh, Jamie, I'll let you go here. What He's do you, the what only do you like guy that we're Henry? going to talk about for the rest of the show that has a chance to finish in the top three. Barring, again, a major injury from one of those guys in the top three, but I just mean on pure performance alone. He is tied to a great offense. Phillip Rivers loves to throw to the tight end, loves to throw to Hunter Henry. He's had plenty of success since he's been in, and he also had success when Antonio Gates was on the field with him. So I think now that he's going to be the guy at that tight end spot in L.A., I'm really excited to have him this year. Unfortunately, I'm probably not going to draft him because I'm seeing him go anywhere sometimes in the not that far away from where Kittle uh, and Ertz are going, but if he's a guy that falls, I would love to have Hunter Henry on my team. Yeah, I'd love to have him too in the fifth or sixth round. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I'm going to throw your same argument back with the Buccaneers and the Chargers. Who's not going to eat? Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. If Gordon comes back, I think Ingram has more targets than Henry. I think that's why we all have him ranked a little bit ahead of him. Yeah, I think the difference in Tampa or in LA versus Tampa is that Mike Williams is only going to get like 75 targets. He's just a big play guy per target. Um, I'm not as worried there where I think God, I mean, Godwin and Evans and those guys are going to, I mean, those both can be 100 plus target guys. So I, I just wonder how many times they're going to throw it. But to Jake's point, it's, I think Hunter Henry's value gets hurt if Melvin Gordon comes back because there are a lot of pass catching backs in LA and there is a correlation between how many times the running back gets dumped down to and how many times the tight end gets thrown to in offenses. All right, the number seven overall guy here for Fantasy Pros is a guy that I had last year, came on strong after getting traded into a new offense. That is Eric Ebron uh, from the Indianapolis Colts, a guy that I really liked having. Uh, 71 overall uh, is his overall draft position right now. Jake, what do you, where do you have Eric Ebron ranked? Look, he was great for both of us last year, but I can't imagine he has the, the same role in this offense that he had last year. They have more weapons. Uh, they've added more deep threats. They're still going to move him around, spread him out. He's more of a receiver than a tight end. He's definitely not all-around tight end. Jack Doyle's back. I- I've got him down at uh, eight. Nine. I got him at nine on my list. 
Uh, still like to have him for the VAD, but not not. Yeah, right I haven't done it number eleven him. for me. I, I don't want to draft the second best tight end on the Colts roster and have them be my starting tight end. Uh, Jack Doyle, when he's healthy and on the field, he is their number one. He vastly outsnaps Eric Ebron. He's had plenty of fantasy success when he's been on the field too. It's not like Jack Doyle's just out there blocking like a Dwayne Allen. Uh, he's out there and can catch the ball, can be a threat in the red zone. Eric Ebron has a role in this offense. I mean, they can split him out wide if they or split him out in the slot if they need to, especially in the red zone. But they have Devin Funches there. I just, to me, this is the guy that I feel like could be somebody that's ranked outside the top twenty by the time the season comes to an end. I feel like this could all really come crashing down. All right, the number eight overall guy is my seventh overall tight end, and that is Jared Cook, uh, playing in a in an offense that I really like. I uh, anticipate him getting a lot of red zone targets. Jake, where do you have Jared Cook? See, it's a very similar situation. I don't think he has the same role he had in Oakland there. Ben Watson's back for one more year, a traditional tight end that's out there. They want to be able to run it. They want to try to stay balanced, which means they're going to have to move him around and get creative. So I don't think he can put up the same numbers he put up last year either. Uh, I've got him one step above uh, Ebron at eight. And it just depends on where he falls, whether I'd want to own him or not. There's others still. Yeah, he's number eight for me as well. Uh, I've lowered him in my rankings. I, I think we just assume w- that everybody that comes in that offense is going to be Jimmy Graham. And Jimmy Graham's the only Jimmy Graham that's ever been in that Saints offense. Uh, and, I, and I'm tired of keeping to keeping projecting uh, players to kind of fill that role. Jared Cook had four or five really strong weeks in Oakland last year and then fell off an absolute cliff. Uh, I Again, the tight end position is so weak right now that it doesn't take much to get into the back end of the top 10, but he's someone that's being overdrafted for me. I, I don't think there's as much upside here as a lot of people think. All right. Number nine overall in the 89th overall uh, in, in ADP is Cleveland's David Njoku. He is my ninth overall tight end as we're getting close to round out our top 10. A lot of these guys I feel very similar uh, as far as where I would feel comfortable drafting them. Uh, it won't be until pick 11 in this fantasy pros one where I really start getting different. Uh, he's my 14th uh, Jamie, where uh, tight David end. I, I need to see some production from him. Again, we, we tend to do this thing in fantasy where we always overrate the good offenses and underrate the bad offenses. Some, again, we've, we're going to get back to the same argument we had with LA and the same argument we had with Tampa Bay. How many mouths can you possibly feed in this offense? And as much of a physical freak as David Njoku is, he hasn't been terribly productive for fantasy purposes since he's been in the league. And I'm not sure why people are projecting this massive leap this year. I think he's going to be usable. I think he's in this, this group of tight ends where you can really kind of pick your poison. But I, I can't say he's a definitive top 10 tight end right now. All of these guys depend on where you're going to draft him. Look, the guy's a freak. He's getting better every year. He didn't play a lot of high school football. He played a couple years at Miami before he came out. He's getting better. I think he takes another progression forward. But I agree with Jamie. How many people can feed and eat in this offense? They're going to play action to him. Um, But it's just going to be another secondary option to the guys that they already have. I've got him at 10, and he's right in the middle of all this. But all these guys depend on where they fall to you. Rounding out the top 10, Pittsburgh's Vance McDonald. Uh, guys, I have him as my 10th overall tight end as well. 96 is where he's getting drafted right he's now. He's my tight end seven, so he's Vance at the McDonald. top of this group that we're talking about. I, I think we talk about the targets that are going to be missing in this offense, and not all of Antonio Brown's targets are going to go elsewhere because they're just not going to throw it quite as much. But there are a lot of targets to go around, and they're not all going to Dante Moncrief or James Washington or Ryan Switzer, Deontay Johnson. A lot of them are going to go to Vance McDonald. We have seen Big Ben have success, whether it was Heath Miller, whether it was Jesse James, whether it was Vance McDonald himself. I'm willing to take a risk that McDonald in that offense in Pittsburgh has a better season than even the Jared Cooks of the world in New Orleans. Yeah, I've got him in seven as well. I think he has a big season. Jesse James is gone, guys. I mean, it's Vance McDonald. If he stays healthy, him and Ben had chemistry last year. Ben loves it, though, in the seam to him. It's going to be really interesting to see how they can – kind of scheme it up, but I think he's really a, a solid number two, number three option when they're throwing the ball. And if we're talking about they throw it a little bit less, they're still throwing as much as anybody in the league. I think he has a big year. All right. Uh, number 11. This is the one where I'm I'm quite a big different. Uh, number 11 overall in the fantasy pros ADP is TJ Hawkinson. I do not have TJ Hawkinson in my top 15 tight ends. Uh, his overall positioning right now is 117. Jake, I'll go to you first. Do you have Hawkinson in your top 15? No, I don't have him in my top 15. I mean, that now we're getting into a whole other group of you're completely guessing and where do you take these guys? And if you don't have a tight end, which one do you take? He's number 25 for me. He's 15. not somebody I'm drafting or really considering in any format. 
rookie tight ends don't make fantasy impacts. It's happened a couple times. It happened with Gronk, who might be the greatest tight end of all time when he's in the conversation. It's not. I, it's Tony Gonzalez for. It's Tony Gonzalez in that conversation too. But it was Gronk, and it was Evan Ingram when literally Roger Lewis was the number one wide receiver in New York. So it's just not something we see very often. I don't want a lot of shares of this Lions offense. Just it's not someone I think is going to make a fantasy impact in year one. Just move on. So that's a it's a big discrepancy. So none of us. I just want everyone to pay attention to that one because he's uh, across the board eleven, and uh, that's I have him quite a bit further down. So I think that's what that's an interesting one to 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 avoid when the rest of the fantasy community is buying in. Uh, really talented guy at Iowa, but we're not playing at Iowa anymore. It's much different uh, playing in the NFL. Number twelve overall coming in is Austin Hooper. Uh, he's my eleventh overall tight he's end in my rankings. Uh, Jamie, he's where do you have shown Austin some Hooper? flashes? I like that he's tied to a good offense. Again, I worry about how many targets you can get in that offense. Devonta Freeman's back is going to get some catches out of the backfield. You have Calvin Ridley. You have Julio Jones. You have Muhammad Sanu. But that's why you're starting to get into this territory when you get outside of the top eight where if you're going to take a flyer, which at this point I think you're streaming the position and you're going to ride whatever the hot hand is on your waiver wire, that you say, okay, this might be an Austin Hooper week here or there when you, they're facing a really easy matchup in Atlanta. But we're now in the territory of, again, pick your poison. They're going to throw it a ton, guys. I, mean, I like this one, especially where you can get him. I think this one is a really good value pick. I've got him at 12, but they're going to throw it a ton. And they're going to throw it a ton from their base offense, which is a tight end, three receivers, and a running back. So I think he's going to have some decent targets. I think he's going to have some pretty big games. And where you're getting him, to me, this feels like a lot better value. Number 13th overall tight end coming in here is Delaney Walker. I also have him rated as my 13th overall guy. This is the example I would use when I'm, I'm talking about instead of TJ Hawkinson that's going at 117 overall, 139, Delaney Walker, a guy I have seen have success in the NFL. I would feel much more comfortable, especially at that value, having Delaney Walker as my starting tight end I, I than I would as would Hawkinson. Uh, I, Jamie, I think to me, agree? he's somebody that he's not sexy. He's not He's not an exciting pick. He's not someone that people are going to go, oh, wow, great pick on draft day. But he's someone that has been pretty solid when given the opportunity and when he's been healthy. I don't love that offense. I don't love a lot of things about that team, but he's my tight end 15, and like I said, you're really at the point now where it's a dart throw, and at least you can say that Delaney Walker's been productive when he's been healthy and on the field. Look, I like him better than rookies, but he's not the same guy he's been in the past. Injury history, he's just not the same player. I don't have him in my top 15. Maybe a matchup thing. Maybe if he gets chemistry and has something going on, I just I don't think he's the same player that he used to be. And yes, it's a name that you're going to want to draft because he's been so good for a lot of people in the past, but I don't have him in my top 15. And I really don't want to touch it. All right, number 14 overall, the Chicago's Trey Burton. I have Trey Burton as my 12th-rated tight end going into the season. Obviously, a guy who does have injury concerns, but when he's been on the field, he's, he's been number 12 for pretty me, damn but good. I might Jamie, where do you have down. Trey Burton He's ranked? still banged up. He had off-season sports hernia surgery, I believe it was, and he's still dealing with complications from that even into August. So I'm a little yep. concerned about that at this point, but... Again, he has some upside. I thought he was going to be a bigger part of the offense last year than he was. I think that would change a little bit this year in his second year under Matt Nagy. But uh, just keep an eye on the injury because really there's no point of reaching for a hurt tight end right now. There are a lot of meh guys that you're not going to want to spend a roster spot on a guy that might not be playing early in the season. Keep an eye. Yeah, I, I agree with Jamie wholeheartedly. I got him at 14. I thought he'd be a bigger spot of that offense last year. He had some good weeks. I've had that surgery. It can damn sure linger. Um, especially when you're running. If he's not practicing soon, it would definitely scare me off. But hopefully he drops because he's a guy I'd love to have as a second tight end. Because if you're talking about any of these guys, you're probably going to need somebody else. So if you had a Austin Hooper or a Kyle Rudolph, and then you throw in a Trey Burton, you could kind of play the matchups. I like that better than any of these guys as just your tight end. All right, number 15 overall, and uh, we already had a rant on this guy. Uh, so I'm really interested to hear what Jamie has to say. Uh, I do not have Noah Fant in my top 15. So I did some more He's research heading into this because I knew this topic Jamie, would come your up. Thoughts on Noah Fant. So I was really trying to find because people kept saying, you know, Joe Flacco loves to target tight ends. Joe Flacco loves to target tight ends. So I, I went back and did a little bit of research. Two parts here. One, I did forget that Dennis Pitta had like an 86-catch season three years ago that the entire world forgot about. Uh, so that was a thing that I just did not remember. But I looked over the last five years where Joe Flacco was the full-time starter in Baltimore. So I didn't look at last year. We only played part of the season. The tight end, the number one tight end in that offense averaged about 74 targets per year. Last year, that would have meant you were, meant you were tight end 12 in terms of targets. 
So if you believe that Noah Fant is going to be the clear-cut number one guy there from week one, considering right now he looks a step behind and Vic Fangio has not exactly been very complimentary of how Noah Fant has looked recently, I think your best-case scenario is that he finishes around the top 12 in targets. And do you think he's going to be more productive with those targets than the top 10 tight ends right now? I don't think so. I like Noah Fant long-term, but in year one, I fade rookie tight ends. They just don't produce very often. If you want to take him outside the top 15 or in that, I mean, that's fine with me. If you're taking him 16th or 17th versus where I have him at like 20, whatever at that point. But people that are taking him around like the TJ Hawkinson point right now at 11, I just can't get behind that. No, I don't have him in my top 15. You guys have said it. Somebody has to step up in this offense, but right now he's not even the guy. There's, there, they need a traditional tight end on the field, most downs in this offense. I don't know that that's even going to be him all the time. I don't have him in my top 15. I, that's a wait and watch for me. All right, guys, of the, we've gone through the top 15 on fantasy pros. Is there anybody outside the top 15 that I've mentioned that you'd like to, to bring in? Um, maybe that's on your list or somebody you would feel comfortable, you know, kind of getting in a later round and, and maybe uh, I like playing two different uh, tight ends. I think ends. he's the guy that he's my number 10 tight end right now. I think he's somebody that deserves a lot more consideration than he's been getting. I mean, when, when he's been on the field, he has been a pretty good player for them. I mean, he a couple of years ago, he was the number five tight end in fantasy points per game. He's been productive with Andrew Luck there. Even last year, he was among the top 15 in the limited time that he played. I don't see any reason why you should draft Eric Ebron over Jack Doyle, and they're going, what, 10, 15 spots apart in average draft position right now? I don't get it. I agree wholeheartedly. I got Doyle at 11. I, I love him. And then, you know, there's always that if you're going to have one of these guys late, do you take Jordan Reed and play him in certain matchups if he's ever healthy? Just another guy that I've got kind of in that list that I would watch Yeah, Jordan, when you had to get him. Yeah, Jordan Reed rounds out my top 15. I, I just, as soon as it gets past 10 for me with tight ends, it's just a whole lot of, uh, I'm probably going to have two of these guys. Um, and Jordan Reed is actually one of the ones that has such an interesting discrepancy between some people have him rated as high as top 10 and some people have him rated 23, obviously because of all the injury history. Um, but one, a, a guy I'd pay attention to. Also Kyle Rudolph um, coming in at, at 20, 172 overall, probably a guy I would get that late and plug and play um, a guy where I would have two tight ends and, and wait on having one of the elite top guys. But I'm in agreement with you guys. I like Jack Doyle a lot as well. Uh, time to get into defenses, guys. We're going to get into the, the top 10 here overall uh, because a lot of times you're, you're going to see once we get to uh, pick number pick number 10 here, you're at 200. You're at 194. So past top 10, it's undraftable um, in most leagues. So let's start off with the number one overall defense, which is near and dear to my heart, the Chicago Bears going at 98 overall. Um, I think we'll probably all be in agreement here. Even if they take a step back, which they more than likely will, be nearly impossible to recreate what they did last year. There, I saw a statistic that they could drop off significantly in almost every category and still be the number one overall defense. Yes, I'm and still and not taking exactly, a defense the defense ninety overall. Uh, uh, all of that. My set. guess is, I would say there's probably a. 30% chance they finish the year as a number one defense, which would be high considering it never happens back to back in fantasy like that. Uh, and I'm not taking them in the top 100 because they would, even if they repeated last year's production, they're still not, if you told me everything's going to be exactly the same across the board for defenses, they're still not quite worth a top 100 pick. I'm not making that investment there. Absolutely not. I got him as my number two defense. I think the Packers offense is going to be a lot better. I think the Vikings offense is going to be a lot better. I think the, I think the overall team takes a step back. I think the defense takes a step back. I still like to own them, but I damn sure I own them in the top 100. I don't know if I'm going to waste anything on these top three or four because it's, it's almost the almost everything in defense is coming down to matchups at this point, and you're going to have to either have two or play the waiver wire. Yeah, I don't. I hardly ever draft a defense. Uh, and actually, in the years that I've won my leagues, I never drafted a defense. So, for context, just just to let you know, I understand last year if you own the Chicago Bears defense, which I did because last year nobody forecasted that team 
doing what they did, mostly because Khalil Mack wasn't a Chicago Bear when you were drafting. Um, I understand that you probably think, oh yeah, I can I can do what I did last year. Not the case because the Bears were not forecasted to be the number one overall defense last year in fantasy. Uh, the number two overall defense here, um, I have as my number fourth, uh, my my fourth rated defense. Uh, the That's the Los Angeles I mean, Rams. It's just a top three fantasy uh, guys, defense the last the two years. Rated? I thought they played under their talent level last year, both in real life and even in fantasy. Um, I, I think they have a really strong chance to be around where the Bears will finish. I think my projections have them about four fantasy points apart for the season. Again, they're still going a little way too high for where I would take a defense, but the Rams are a much better value where they're going than where the Bears are going, even though they're both going too high. Yeah, I got the Rams at three. I've got the Chargers at two. I think the Chargers are a better defense. Um, although who knows what the Rams are going to see in that division offensively. So I, I don't think you can go wrong either way. For context, the Rams are going 115 overall. Uh, number three here, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. I have them rated as my number two overall defense going into the year. They are getting drafted 142 overall. Uh, Jake, I'll go to you first. Where do you have the Jaguars? I got them right there. I mean, I got them at four um, on my list. I, I love them. Actually, I got them at five on my list. Um, I think they bounce back. At, it's going to be really interesting in that division as well. I think the Colts offense is going to be really good. I think Houston's going to put up a bunch of numbers that could hurt you. Uh, but I think they bounce back and they got a ton of talent on that defense. If they run it good offensively and they keep that. And I think that's fresh, the biggest key for have, me. They're number four. Really you know, does that offense I think they're going to be a chew up some time this year? Do they avoid the crippling turnovers in their own end? Like, I mean, those are all things you have to think about when it comes to fantasy defenses. They were the number one defense two years ago. They were not last year. They finished 16th, but. Being number one again is not out of the realm of possibility. So if, if you can get them late, but again, anybody that's going, any one of these top five defenses now, I mean, they're going in the 10th, 11th, 12th round. I, I'm, you can get guys like, I don't know, you can get guys that you're going to take a shot on that might be flex plays for you come postseason time. I just can't do it. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you, Jamie. I just don't draft defenses. Uh, this one is interesting, and I'm definitely going to go to Jamie here first. And maybe it's because Jamie's been in my ear about this. CBS has them rated as the number two overall defense. The number four overall defense coming in here in totality is the Baltimore Ravens. And maybe these team, maybe a lot of these analysts don't realize the turnover that's happened in Baltimore, or maybe I'm overestimating that. But uh, I don't have them They're in my top five. Me. I have they, them as they, they my put ninth a top 10 defense overall defense fantasy coming three years in the season. In a row, Jamie, top Five, two years in a row. I don't think Earl Thomas is going to be a hundred percent right away. Uh, I just I don't think that he's going. And then who knows what player you get there? Uh, I'm blanking on his name right now, but they lost one of their starting linebackers. I mean, they, this this team has gotten yeah, CJ Mosley. I mean, they have lost a number of pieces on defense, and the pieces that have replaced them aren't as good. Uh, I have major concerns about what that offense is going to look like. If if you want to bet that. John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson are going to innovate the way we play offense in the NFL, at least for one season, and they're going to control the clock 35, 40 minutes a game. Then sure, the Baltimore Ravens defense will probably be worth your time just because of the, po- the points allowed aspect of it. But I don't think they have a ton of, uh, many playmakers on that defense anymore. I think they're going to be considerably worse. The Browns are better. The Steelers' are offense is still going to be good. I think Cincinnati's offense is going to be better than it was last year because A.J. Green's not dead. He's just hurt right now for a couple weeks. I just have major concerns. They're outside my top 12. Look, everybody in the division could have a top 12 offense. This, this team is not the same as they've been in the past. Jamie hit the nail on the head. They don't have anywhere near the playmakers they've had in the past. Who knows what the offense is going to look like. And even if they do run it good and control the clock, this defense still has to get sacks and turnovers for it to really be a top 10 defense for you. I don't have them in my top 10. I don't I don't really want to own them unless it's just really matchup dependent and they're on the waiver wire. All right, the number five overall defense on Fantasy Pros here in ADP is the Minnesota Vikings. I have the Minnesota Vikings as my number three overall defense coming into the season. I think their defense is they, – they've always been good, but I think they're going to take a step forward this year. I, I think that three team as well. in general and this is going to be better than they were last year. Uh, Jamie, where years. do you have the last Minnesota Vikings? last four Vikings? years, they finished eighth, first, 14th, and fourth. Uh, they, they're going to have a better year. I think, as Jake has pointed out in the show a lot more, they're going to run a more ball control offense. At least they're going to attempt to, which I think is good for them. They do have playmakers uh, on their line. They have playmakers in the secondary. And uh, again, you're concerned about the matchup with the Packers. The Bears are are pretty good offense, but they're not, you know, I don't think you're benching them against the Bears. I'm playing them against the Lions both times. So I think this is going to be a team that you really like to have. And I would much rather have Minnesota where they're going than Baltimore. Much rather. 
Yeah, look, I, I got him at number four. I'm on the record as picking him to win the division and picking him to go to the Super Bowl. So I think this Everson Griffin coming back and being healthy, mentally healthy, whatever was his issue last year, he missed a bunch of games, makes them a completely different defensive line. They're really good at all three levels of the defense. And I say it all the time, guys, coaching matters. And Mike Zimmer is one of the best that's ever done it. This defense is going to bounce back. And if they're not out there as much because they do run it more on offense, they're definitely somebody I want to own. They can dominate games. Uh, so I, I've got them at number four. This next defense we're going to talk about is a defense that I like a lot, and I know you guys probably do as well. They're outside the top five, but they're inside my top five. My fifth overall, the sixth overall here on Fantasy Pros is the LA Chargers. Uh, I think we're, th- this whole podcast is like the unofficial fans of the LA Chargers. We like all really, really like this team, and we have. Uh, we, we did all year last year up until the point where they just got completely dismantled by Bill Belichick. Just Bill uh, Belichick. They're my number six defense. Um, they certainly Jamie, have where that, do you have the, the LA Chargers rated uh, defensively? Uh, and they year. finished number five a couple years ago. They were very disappointing last year. They finished number 22 among fantasy defenses. It's not the easiest division of all time to be in because of the Chiefs, but I'm not expecting the the Raiders – I mean, even the Broncos I think their offense is going to be better. But again, you have to think about what teams would you be benching them against. You're not benching them against Denver. You're not benching them against Oakland. Uh, they, they have the potential to have a high sack total, especially if Joey Bosa is healthy, Melvin Ingram on the other side. I mean, Casey Hayward, if, if you don't, if you haven't seen him play, you need to go watch him play. He is one of the best quarterbacks in the game, and that's not hyperbole. Uh, I, I really, I really like this team overall. And I see them right now, they're going, I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, Paige, in the update, but they're going outside the top 150 right now. So now they're, they're kind of in that territory where I would seriously be considering fantasy defenses, and I'd be thrilled to have them. Yes, you're correct, Jamie. They're 153 overall, and that's about where I would start to really consider taking a defense. Jake, uh, you have them inside your top five as well, correct? I got them at one. Yeah, all right. I got them at one, and it's talent, it's schedule, it's where you can get them. You give me them all day at 150, 153. Look, Derwin James, maybe the best young defensive player in the NFL. They got corners, they got linebackers, they added depth. When Bosa and Ingram are out there together, they wreak havoc. This team is really, really good defensively. They're really good offensively. We love them all the way around. But I think because of that, they're my number one overall defense. I feel great playing them in almost every matchup other than the Chiefs. Other than the Chiefs, yeah. Nobody's starting uh, defenses against them. The number seventh overall in the Fantasy Pros rankings they're is my the fifth, Houston Texans. I have them concerned. as my sixth overall uh, I mean, defense coming number into three the year last January year. of Houston. And they, they, again, they've got plenty of guys that can make huge fantasy defensive impact in Jadavion Clowney and J.J. Watt. I worry about that secondary. I don't think that's a terribly strong secondary. It hasn't been for quite some time. Uh, I worry about the injuries in their front seven because if they are hurt there, then they're not going to be usable. They're in a really good division in terms of offenses, at least with the Colts being in there. I I, I like them. I don't love them. Um, I would probably, as I'm sitting here talking about it now, I might push them behind the Chargers the more they think about it. So they're a decent option there, but... We're now starting to get into the territory where I'm waiting until the last round and going to pick a team that has strong matchups early in the season and then stream from there. Uh, guys, I got them at 10. This defense scares the hell out of me. If Merciless, Clowney, and JJ are all healthy and playing together, they can wreak havoc. I love McKinney at middle linebacker, but that secondary is wiped out. They got nothing. I think they're going to be down in a lot of games. I think they're going to have to throw it a ton on their offense, and I don't think that's going to put their defense in a very good position. I got them at 10, but I almost want to like drop them out of the top 10. All right. Number eight overall here, the New Orleans Saints. Their number overall draft position, 195. So you're talking way, way, way late here towards the end of your of your draft. I have New Orleans outside my top 10. I have them as my 11th overall defense. Jake, where do you have New Orleans? I don't have them in the top 10. I mean, they're playing really good offenses in that division. Uh, they got a lot to prove to me on their offense. They got to find an identity and see um, – you know, what they can do, but no, I don't have them in the top 10. I'd like to own them in certain matchups. They're but, number 10 um, for me, and I think you have to look you know, at them almost Carolina like a platoon role if you play like fantasy that, baseball. I like them at home them the against 10. bad or even medium-level opponents. Uh, you do not really want to play them on the road, even against mid-level teams, but they're going to be five, six, seven matchups a year where you'd be more than happy to have New Orleans as your starting defense. Number nine overall, the New England Patriots uh, inside their top 10. I do not have them inside my top 10. I have they my number 11. Out, they I always find a way my, to yeah, be around fantasy relevance. Defense. They finished 11th, 6th, 13th, 7th the last four years among fantasy defenses. They have the honor and the privilege of getting to play Adam Gase twice, the Buffalo Bills twice, and whatever is left of the tanking Miami Dolphins. 
twice. So there are going to be a number <laughs> of really strong. Oh, by the way, they play the easiest schedule in the NFL this year. So put all that together, and they're going to be a defense that you're going to want to have more often than not. But again, they're still you're in the streaming defenses territory. You're not playing New England against Kansas City or against LA or or against Cleveland. Like so, there's there's no reason to overdraft them, but definitely keep them in your rotation as you're looking at fantasy defenses throughout the season. Yeah, I don't have them in my top ten. I'd love to have them. Uh, I don't think I want to draft them, but I'd love to have them for certain matchups. They always play. You know, they're going to have, like you said, they're, they're playing some good teams in their division. They're, they're going to be great matchups for, but, you know, it is what it is. I'm not I'm not drafting them. Uh, number 10 overall rounding out this list, the Cleveland Browns going at 194 overall, so really towards the end of your draft here. Jake, where do you have the Browns? Uh, I got the Browns at 8. Uh, I like them. I think this offense is going to be really good at times. I think they're going to run it. Uh, they have the potential defensively to get a ton of turnovers, a lot of sacks, sack fumbles, picks. They have playmakers all over the place on that defense. Um, they're another one I'd, I'd like to have at the right value. I don't. I think you're probably have to draft them to get them, uh, but I'd like to have them. I think they're going to be really good. I think they're going to bounce back. Yeah, that's uh, why I have you a number a seven. When you talk about Steve fantasy Wilkes, defenses in real life, Williams, they have so many players on that team that can make an impact not to put up and get numbers. you those extra two points, one point, uh, pick six points uh, on your fantasy defenses going into the year. Uh, I, I, again, I'm not going to play them going into Pittsburgh, but you're going to like them in a lot of matchups. They're number seven for me, but they do have a higher level of variance. It's been a while since that's been a good fantasy defense. And even last year when they had some pieces, they were only 18th. Uh, and I don't think they're going to blitz quite as much this year, but they're still a, a team I really want to keep an eye on. Yeah, I have them eighth overall. I have them inside my top 10 for all the reasons you guys just said. Um, there are okay, two. Guys, one, uh, I have the, them number nine right now, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. I expect a little bit of a bounce back from them. They were an absolutely, completely awful fantasy defense. They were bottom six last year. Uh, I think they could sneak back in the top 10, which is where they've been the three years prior. But the one that really intrigues me, which is going to continue with the theme on the show for a while, number eight, I had the Denver Broncos defense. They were, I mean, the last four years, besides they finished 18th a couple years ago, but they were first, fifth, and seventh the other three years. And last year they were seventh. Vic Fangio is going to come in there. They still have plenty of playmakers on that side of the ball. Uh, they can, they have the benefit of they're going to have some home games in the cold and the snow and teams coming into there. I'm really excited to play them when they're not playing the Chargers or the Chiefs. But I, I, that's a defense that I'm going to target late in drafts. That's my two exactly. I got the Broncos at seven and the Eagles at nine. So I, I like both. Jamie described them perfectly as two defenses I'd really like to have at the right value. Yeah, I like both defenses. I think uh, Vic Fangio will be my honorary defense that I draft out that I get way, way, way late, especially where that defense is going uh, as of right now. All right, guys, to finish this off, uh, kickers are people too. We have a we have a lovely kicker that is a co-host on this podcast, so we would be remiss if we just pretended like kickers do not exist. We know that uh, not every league has kickers, um, but there are the top three specifically uh, really are potential on a week-to-week basis can really win you some games. Uh, really, really can. They put up consistent numbers week in and week out. So we're not going to go through our whole list. I just want you guys to mention, um, and I will let I will let the uh, the lovely kicker on this podcast go first. What are who are the who are the guys that you feel comfortable drafting? Um, who are the guys that you want to go get? And then and I'll let Jamie go after you. Good, I get to go first, so I can steal his guy, Greg the Leg, Zerline. Uh, <laughs> has been phenomenal for both of us the last couple of years. I mean, he's had like five 20-point games. Um, like Will Lutz, Harrison Bucker, and Justin Tucker are the guys that I would all feel comfortable drafting. Justin Tucker is the best in the business. I think he's going to kick a ton of field goals. I don't, I don't know how good that offense is going to be. Uh, the other two teams are going to score a ton of points. So, I mean, those four guys, and they came. Fairbairn is another one worth consideration, and maybe even old man Vinatieri. Uh, I don't think I drafted the one yeah, of those well, guys, I mean, but I love to, Odom, to, to depending on uh, piggyback you know, off of that. Wizard line is the only kicker I'd be taking before the last round. Uh, I would take. I consider him in the thirteenth or fourteenth round. He always consistently seems to finish one and a half to two fantasy points per game above whoever else is number two when he's been out there, and I think that is a significant advantage. Uh, as Jake said, Justin Tucker is the best kicker. Period. If I were starting a, a, an NFL team in real life and I had to pick one kicker, it's Justin Tucker. Uh, he's my number two. Uh, Lutz is his own guy, and Kaimi Fairban was really, really good last year. He was the number two fantasy kicker. A lot of people got him off waivers in the middle of the season. I was one of those guys for a while. Uh, I think it's someone to kind of keep an eye on. If we're looking for a super, super, again, at this point, you're not drafting these guys. Uh, super deep sleeper, 
I think Robbie Gold could be interesting. He finished just inside the top 10 last year. If you think the 49ers offense is going to be significantly better, if that's a bet you're willing to make and you're going to, you're taking Garoppolo when you're high on Tevin Coleman and Dante Pettis, that might be a guy that you just snag with your very last pick and say, I think that's going to be the guy. There's one more I want to talk about, and I want Jake to comment on him. How about Matt Gay in Tampa Bay? We keep seeing on Twitter every single day that he's hitting these 60, 65, 55-yard field goals in practice. Do you think there's any value there, or, or do you have another like deep sleeper? Uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, they want him to win the job. They drafted him. The kid has a ton of talent. I mean, he had a 65 that went halfway up the net the other day. But he's missed a couple extra points, and that can't happen. If that happens in preseason games, he doesn't win the job. Uh, that's a, that's an offense that could score a lot of points. So I, I potentially like it. Um, Guskowski is always a guy you got to talk about. Yes, that offense might be down, whatever, but they're going to score points. He doesn't miss extra points. He's been phenomenal for what, eight, eight, nine years now in fantasy. So that's another guy you have to consider. Uh, and I love your Robbie gold pick. He's been awesome for them for the last couple of years and they just re-signed him to big money. I don't see that. Although his punter and his holder, Bradley Pinion, who's now in Tampa, was really, really good, is gone. So that can maybe. affect things. But Robbie's been solid yeah, his maybe. whole career. Sign me up for Adam Vinatieri at 224. Oh, my God. Yep, sign me up. Kicking kick in the dome. I, I, Indianapolis scoring a bajillion points. I like all the guys that you guys talked about. I mean, the reality is uh, Zerling's going at 124 uh, much, much earlier than everybody else. Um Justin Tucker, for context, is the next closest going 150, so almost 30 spots later. Um, so just giving you There's guys a little somebody, context right? when we're There's talking about how much you like Greg Zerline. That's right. That's what I thought. I was going to say, I don't think – he... All the revealings that they don't understand how value play works. Yeah, because uh, everybody on this podcast loves Greg Zerloin. I do not love Greg Zerloin at 124. I'm telling you that right now. I'm not have it. I think uh, you know, next week um, is going to be really uh, exciting. Any other parting thoughts really of today's podcast, guys? This, uh, uh, we, we have gone through the more all bold, of our rankings. more bold things. We're going to go talk about rookies, our sleepers and breakouts, bus falling stars, comeback players, that kind of thing. So this last couple of weeks have really gotten you prepared, but I think we're going to go do deep dives into some of the names that maybe you haven't spent a lot of time researching. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. Value, 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 value. If you take anything out of all of these rankings, value, 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 value. Uh, my parting thoughts here are I thoroughly enjoyed fighting with people on Twitter today because as I told you guys on Wednesday's podcast, please tweet at any of us so that we can yell at your commissioner for making you draft early. And that started today. I got quite a few people tweeting at me and uh, love, listen, I am here for all of your arguments because you are an idiot if you are drafting this early. I am making no bones about it. So those are my parting thoughts on the ending of our rankings podcast. Follow me at Jake, Jamie how can everybody follow you on, and at on Jay social media? FFB on Instagram. Uh, Jake B. Arians on Twitter and Jake Arians on Instagram. Jamie, you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on both Twitter and Instagram. You should follow our account at TDN Fantasy underscore on Twitter and at TDN Fantasy on Instagram. Make sure you check out all of our content and our rankings in written form on the draftnetwork.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at Draft Network LLC. Happy Friday and hope you guys have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.